and welcome back to the First Cup Podcast with Kyle Porter. That's Kyle Porter. I'm Chip Patterson. It's Sunday night, March 17th, and uh, we've got just a, a plethora of sports headlines. Uh, Kyle, we have witnessed Rory McIlroy winning the Players' Championship. He has added himself to a very, very... He's added himself to enough of the, like... Because his birthday, his 30th birthday is on May 4th. He's hitting all of the under 30 uh, accolades mm. right now. Like, like all of the short lists, because they normally involve some combination of Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Tom Watson, uh, you know, through a, a few others can be put in there. I feel like Dan Hicks was just running through it. But the, the point that resonated with me the most is that it was great to see one of this generation's greats have a moment of success after so many Sunday failures. Uh, I thought you wanted to talk about Matthew Wolf 65 at the Valspar Collegiate. Goodness, man, of all the sports that I've had to talk about, I would rather talk about Ja Morant versus Marcus Howard and Murray State and Marquette than Matthew Wolf right now. <laughs> it's been a day for you. Yeah, it's been a day. You, you, you threw the ringer. Yeah. Started in Charlotte. We're here. now, And now we're here. <laughs> and now we're here. Uh Sunday was awesome, man. It was, I mean, of course I'm going to say that as a, as a Rory Homer. Uh, I don't think that's a huge secret, but the whole like final three really like, yeah, the final two or three hours was just, it was ludicrous. And it's, I think, I don't know. I think part of it is like, sometimes it feels like when we get these winners, like the, like these big names or these superstars, like, like with DJ in Mexico, you're like, well, okay. The drama is like, what's his strokes gain number going to be? Not, sure. not who's going to win, you know? And, and you got, you got it a little at the PGA, I guess last year, you got it a lot. This actually reminded me of the open, uh, when everybody was going back and forth, Tiger had the lead on the back nine, uh, Rory was in it. Uh, Spieth was in the final parent. And then obviously Francesco Molinari ends up winning. And people are like, oh, well, that wasn't a great open because Molinari won. It's like, no, it was because so we, many we stars. We had six and- players and like not just that, but six of six great players all in the mix for the final eight holes. Yeah. And that's sort of what this that's sort of what this players was like, you know, and, and you look at I mean, you know who should have won today? Uh, Johnny this? Vegas or Eddie Pepperell? No. Dustin Johnson. Oh, because he putted so poorly. I, I haven't so, watched for most of the turn. I, I tuned in for most of today, so I cannot go shot by shot with you for Rory yesterday. But I did hear the comment on the broadcast that he had been horrendous with putts inside 10 feet this week. Dude, it was unbelievable. So he finishes T5, 13 under, three back of Rory. He missed, uh, I want to get this right, six putts of like 10 feet and under to the, on, on Sunday. Unbelievable. And shot two, a 69. Two four-footers, uh, like a 6, 7, 8, and a 10 or something like that. So he could have uh, fired the round of the day easily. He, sh- he should have shot a 66, 65. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But anyway, like the, the point is so many different huge names either – shared the lead, were around the lead, and you, and you get it kind of all culminating at the end with those last three holes. It's pretty awesome. And I know we like to like make fun of like the fifth major thing or whatever, but you know Shane Bacon mentioned this on Twitter. He's like, why not have a Ryder Cup at Sawgrass? How good would that finish be with 16, 17, 18? That'd be pretty awesome. I didn't see that. Pretty, That'd be, be awesome. Pretty, it'd be unbelievable. And I yeah. think you got like, speaking of Ryder Cups, you got a taste of that with uh, Jim Furyk trying to hold off like the entire 
2018 European Ryder Cup team. That was a that was a fun storyline. You know, I'll give flowers to to Jim Furyk. That was a fun performance for him. I didn't get a chance to capture see his reaction after the round, but I'm sure that um, given all that he's accomplished in his career, he probably was soaking up every bit of just just playing that well. Like when you get to that point in your career, there's no way that losing to Rory breaks your heart. Well, and he, it was awesome too, because, and, uh, Solly tweeted this for knowing up. He's like, I didn't, I didn't see Jim Furyk bringing the most tour sauce to the broadcast on Sunday. I mean, he was, he was like walking in putts. He was like, he walked off his shot on 17. Uh, and then he, and then he like chased his shot on 18 to three feet. Like he was running after it. And, and you're like, what world am I in where Jim Furyk is just spraying sauce all over sawgrass and on the back nine on a Sunday. I mean, it was, it was, it was nuts. It was crazy. Um, but yeah, he was, he was awesome down the stretch and it, it, it you know, it felt like somebody was going to birdie like 16, 17, 18, uh, to, to win it. Uh, that ended up not being the case. No, it was Fury- ejection. It was ejection city down the stretch. Yeah, it was. Furyk was the one that that kind of like popped at the end where he birdies 18. 18's playing like, I don't know, four and a half average on Sunday, I think. It was uh, 4.3. So it was the hardest hole on the course on Sunday. And he hits it to three feet and makes birdie. He also, I, I you, you might have missed this, but he, he missed a three-footer earlier in his round. Oh, my goodness. I mean, like didn't hit the cup. It was it was it was probably the worst stroke I saw. <laughs> it was so bad, but he was uh, he's if if you would have said there's going to be one American to take on all of Europe on Sunday at the beginning of this week, it, it, I would my guess would not have been Jim Furyk. No, but good for Jim Furyk. Um, I want to say that I feel like TP Sawgrass delivered, right? Oh yeah, yeah, it was phenomenal. And with it the was so wind good. blowing a little bit too, like as, as balls were getting hung up in the air on 17, which of course, like, you know, you made the argument going into the tournament that 17 might be a little bit overrated, but I will say that like when we see Rom and Fleetwood both put it in the drink and when we see, uh, like I saw Webb take a super aggressive uh, cut at it, throwing the ball way out to the right, almost over the water before curving it back in and tucking it a little mm. tight. Like I, That was sick. I, that was I, a sick shot. It was a very sick shot. I just thought that... You know, the I, I got my Bryson on. I was watching and I was like, ooh, I wonder what the air density is right there now. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here, here's the thing. I think this is the thing that gets a little lost about about Sawgrass is it it can like the the variance in how you score can be massive. And you know, I, I, I think that you know, sometimes when you have like a, a course where you, you can go low, you're like, well, that's all anybody is doing. Like, that's it. Like, you're like, it's just, it's just a putting contest. Excuse me. And it doesn't really feel like that at Sawgrass because you've got guys making triples. You can hit it in the water so many places. You still have to like hit legitimate shots into like, not only into these greens, even though they're a little bit soft, but also, you know, what side of the fairway are you on? Do you have a good angle? And, and there's plenty of stuff to complain about about Sawgrass, but man, it, it was, uh, I don't know. It, it did produce, and uh, you know, you're going to have a pretty good leaderboard just because no matter what course you're playing on, just because of the field. But I thought it, I thought it delivered. I thought it was pretty good because it, it wasn't too easy. Um, but guys were, were able to be a little bit more aggressive than normal. And I, I thought it was, I, th- I thought it was pretty awesome. I loved it. 
15 PGA Tour wins for Rory McIlroy. Only five players have won more under the age of 30. Tiger, Jack, Johnny Miller, Phil, Tom Watson. Uh, mm. He is... And I, I thought about this as the one of the more odd accolades that are referenced at the beginning. Uh, do you remember, and they said it, players who have won a World Golf Championship, a major, a players, and a FedEx Cup title? I think it's Stenson, Tiger, and Rory. Okay, you do remember. Yeah. Or did you mention I it got, in your writing? No. I thought I, that I was a big... To... I was like, what does that even mean? Does that just mean you're good now? Does that just mean you're good in the FedEx Cup era? Like, is that going to be the difference between talking about BCS championship appearances or BCS bowl appearances and college football playoff appearances? Like, is is it just the most arbitrary alignment? Or is that representative of just sort of the modern era by including, you know, your WGCs and your FedEx Cup title? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think it's a modern era thing. I I thought the more impressive one... How about this? Because I think I think this is and there's there's a million of these stats. We could do this all night. Four major. To, okay, so these are the these are the golfers that have won four majors and a players. So they've got five total of of majors and and with a the fifth, with the fifth major. If we if, if <laughs> in a fifth major world they have five majors. Yeah. So this is this is and and, and you got to remember the players has only been around since. Uh, what is that like 1970 or whatever it is anyway jack nicholas lee trevino raymond floyd and then tiger phil and rory it's yeah pretty good pretty good yeah i'm just i love it for where where are you as uh as as we look at at Rory here, I thought that it was fun. Um, again, a little bit of from what I saw, but also from notes and from recapping from the weekend. I wondered if, and so I'll pose it to you: Is having these imperfect rounds, is having these imperfect tournaments, being able to have double bogeys early, but then be able to bounce back late for somebody who has a uh, you know, really enhanced and expanded and, and changed his approach to the mental side of the game of golf. Like, are, are those what Rory wins are going to look like now? Because we've talked about going super, super low on Sunday like he did at Bay Hill. But this wasn't that. I mean, he won by going 70-70 on the weekend. And I wonder if, if well, I don't know if this is Rory 3.0 or 2.0 or 2.5. I don't know what software update we are on of Rory McIlroy. But is this what a Rory win looks like now? Yeah, and it needed a little bit what it looked like at the beginning. I mean, I, th- I think about... Um, I, I don't even about, remember. what I mean, his beginning was five years ago, right? Six years ago. Uh, it was like eight. Eight I mean, years won, ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Goodness gracious. He won the 11... He won 11 US Open. He won, I think, 12 PGA at Kiowa. And this just reminded me of like... I, I want to pull it up because I don't want to get this wrong, but his, I think his, uh, 2014 open was similar. And, and this is what, this is, I think what we see, what we've seen tiger do a little bit is like get hot early and then, and then defend it late. So 2014, he goes 66, 66 to open. This is the open. Uh, and then he goes 68 on Saturday, 71 on Sunday. So, I think I think we do this thing in, in and I do it maybe more than anyone, but 
where we get all like worked up over Rory like chasing on the weekend. And the reality is that like when you're chasing, you got to be perfect. I mean, you have to be flawless. You can't make any mistakes. And it's so hard to chase down DJ from behind. It's so hard to chase down Justin Thomas from behind. Uh, or, or even like we saw at Capilouto, like Xander from behind. It's just, it's just difficult. And so the, the real like formula, and I think especially for somebody like Rory, is go low on Thursday, Friday, and then defend on the weekend. And I, 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 I think that's, I think that's it, right? Like I think that's the deal. And you know, I, people get so like, well, again, I mean, it was the O for not. I saw, I saw this tweet from you, but it's you know the the O for his last nine. Um, stat being thrown around as he's going out there and winning like the I I just loved his comments uh with Steve Sands after the round he just said I don't know I just I felt like it was my turn and that just I I don't know why that resonated with me but it really made me um go back to uh that idea that when you've got a field that's this deep like sometimes you just you just got to keep it together you just need to not lose your cool. You, you just cannot John Raman up out there. Oh my gosh. Can we talk <laughs> about him in a minute? Yes. Yes. He is on this so, list of things to talk about. So I think, I think this is what's problematic for everybody else is that Rory seems to like not care about winning right now. Right. I mean, did in his, in his acceptance speech, like when Webb gave him the trophy, he was just, he was like, yeah, you know, I mean like the win is a, just kind of a byproduct of just doing what I do. And the reason that's I thought it was all those times. <laughs> yeah, the reason that's the reason that's problematic is because he's probably the the most I mean he's one of the two or three most talented guys in the world. So if he and I think I think what we saw I was thinking about this Jeff. I think what we saw over the last 4 or 5 years is he and I think this is so easy to do to like start thinking about wins and Sundays instead of like the shot that's in front of you. And he seems to he seems to and and this is this has been true of him all year. So it's not just a, a player's thing. He seems to like not uh, be thinking about that stuff as much and just thinking about the shots of the time. I mean, he he didn't really get he didn't really get fired up throughout the week. You know, like I like his biggest fist pump was the the putt on fifteen on Sunday. I, right. I don't know. He didn't he didn't even really celebrate at the end. And you know. I don't know. Like I, I do like it when guys get jacked up and we've seen that from him at Ryder cups and, and different things like that. And I, and I don't think that's gone, but I think him staying in the moment and just taking each shot as it comes is, I don't know. He didn't even putt well, Chip. I mean, he, he, he was 60th in putting on Sunday, 45th for the week. Yeah. But I just love that he finished the tournament with the big stick on 18. Oh my gosh! And then his—I—I I, I wasn't watching it live, but good. They showed the replay of his Saturday drive on eighteen, and that was stupid. Oh, the, the the Saturday drive was insane. The Sunday drive was awesome because he just—I mean, it was perfect. And, it was well, perfect. And, and, and Azinger was like questioning him, and it was like he there wasn't there wasn't like a debate. I mean, he he just. He just hammered it, yes. and th- and that was and it was like it was like the three wood that Tiger hit in thirteen. Uh, where he he hits it, he twirls it, and he uh, lets out a string of expletives, and it was very similar because you knew it was over. Like he wasn't good, and then but then he goes left of the pin on on uh, on eighteen, 
How's that approach shot left of the bit? He hits it between the pin and the water on 18. And like everybody's, I, I, I tweeted about it and everybody's like, oh, he just pulled it. And it's like, well, did he pull it that much? Because like he, he's, it still feels like he's going at the pin. Right. You know? Uh, but for me, it was, it was, so not only was the, the drive on 18, it was the drive on 16. I don't know if you got to see that one. Mm-mm, I was bouncing it, around. It, it was, it was one of the harder swings I've ever seen him take. It, it flew, it covered 347 and it didn't roll out. So he, he hits at 347 on the fly. It didn't bounce. It didn't roll out. Cause it kind of landed like on the first, first cut. Uh, hey, to, yeah. that's the name of the show product placement but um it didn't roll out chip it just flew 347 he had like 170 to that into that pin on the on a on a par five and even though it was kind of not a great lie like all you had to do was get it on the green and you two put for birdie and that's what he did okay i mean that that was the drive that i was like oh my gosh like he is juiced i mean that was crazy all right so you just said that uh Rory McIlroy is probably one of the two or three most talented players in the world. Do you believe that he is the best tee to green player in the world right now? Uh, it's him or DJ. Yeah, that's. I mean, no, no, no one's gonna call you crazy for quickly mentioning Dustin Johnson in there. But like, like you mentioned, uh, Rory didn't have a good putting week, and he just won the players. Yeah. So Keegan Bradley finished fourth in the field in strokes gained tee to green. Uh, for the week, and he gained nine point two strokes, which is it's really good. Yeah, uh, Rory gained thirteen point two. <laughs> That's <laughs> DJ was third at uh, eleven. Okay, so DJ was in, but Matt Kuchar was second. How about that? Didn't see that coming. But uh, we we addressed DJ already. Obviously, uh, horrendous. Like, like Rory had a okay to bad to not great putting week and won it at 16 under Dustin Johnson had a horrendous putting week and finished T five at 13 under. Yeah. How about, uh, I think it was on our podcast with Robbie on Wednesday. I said, I'm not excited about Rory and DJ. <laughs> you know what? At Sawgrass. I, I, I would like to think that, uh, when people come to the first cut podcast, they are not coming just for Stone Cold Locks. They've got to be coming for the analysis too because our numbers have been up and we do appreciate you, uh, the good listeners. And I would like to think that they're coming for just the takes because they they know that the tender love and care has been put into the preparation of the takes. And so uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to taste good when they bite into it, even if it ends up being bad. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, Robbie faded John Rom. They all finished top eight in the in the, in the fields. Yeah, it's good good takes, bro. Dude, I told you, you I loaded up on Xander. He didn't make yeah, the cut. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I had Xander in head to heads and had him to win. Oh, by, by the way, John Rom didn't finish. Wow, I just realized this. He didn't finish in the top ten. No, I mean he. Okay, so. Joel Dahman and John Rahm were T12. They we'll, tied. we'll get to Rahm. We still need to get to Tiger. Uh, first couple things got to tell you. Uh, right now, we've got a deal for you. Because if you're listening to this podcast, then you're a big sports fan. And if you're a big sports fan, then you're probably going to get in to the, the bracket world this week. And you want to win your bracket, right? I mean, kind of a no-brainer. 
Well, Sportsline can help you with the most sought-after bracket advice. Last year, their optimal bracket finished in the top 5% of CBS Sports Brackets, and it even called Villanova winning it all. And, listen to this, they've also got an upset bracket at Sportsline that correctly called 12 of the 18 first-round upsets by double-digit seeds in the past three years. So Sportsline.com slash brackets is going to be the insight that you need to win whatever kind of pool or competition you're getting into. And right now, First Cut listeners, you are loyal listeners. If you sign up for Sportsline using the promo code EAGLE, that's right, we saw some Eagles this week, use the promo code EAGLE when you sign up for a Sportsline membership, you get that first month. March! March Madness! You get that first month for just $1. Okay, sportsline.com slash brackets. Sign up for Sportsline. Use the promo code EAGLE. Sign up for Sportsline. Use the promo code EAGLE. And you get that first month for just $1. All right, we'll get into ROM and Tiger and more right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, calling, uh, calling John Rom. To, to not be able to keep it together, did not look great when he was thriving, but boy, when things got tight, he was, I just, it, Rom again from the pine straw. Like, I mean, it was just, he was spraying the ball all over the place, and uh, and like you mentioned, he goes from being in the mix to win this thing all the way down to T12, finishes with a 76 after 69, 68, 64 in the first 54 holes. Um, you know, so let's say Rom, like Fleetwood, also very much in the mix, but he fired a seventy-three. What do we make about some of these uh these high Sunday scores from players that obviously some of the world's best players, but players that were in the mix during these tents like three hours, but ultimately ejected and did not compete with Rory McElroy for the dub. Yeah, I mean I, I think that I don't know. I sometimes we overrate experience, but it, in this case it, it did seem to matter a little bit. I mean, you look at, you know, Rom's never really won at that level, even though he is that talented Fleetwood's never won on the PGA tour. And it just seemed like Rory just was, I don't know, not the, and, and I don't want to make too much of it. It just felt like he had, he'd like seen it before. Like I've, you know, Made a double bogey, okay, whatever. And then Rom just like, I mean, it was kind of you could kind of see that coming with Rom. Yeah, it was funny. We were, we were joking via text, not you and me, but me and other people about how like Rom was doing this like uh, <laughs> this like apology tour on Saturday. Like I'm reformed. I'm not. I'm not the guy I used to be. I'm really working on my mental game. And then he just, I mean the. 
the apex of it was on 11. So he hits one in the water. I don't know if you saw this. His caddy calls him off the, uh, the shot. He's like, he has to hit this like 240 yard just hook around this tree and clear this water on the right. I mean, it was a, it was, it was ludicrous. Like it was a crazy shot. His caddy calls him off and Rom's like, I don't want to lay up. I, I, if I fly it too far on the layup, then I'm not going to, you know, I'll, I'll be dead over there. And it's like, what? The layup's like 110 yards. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you talking about? And so he, his caddy lets him go and, and he hits it in the water. And then he, he, he looks at or he, the, the broadcast picked it up and he said, he said something like, I felt so effing good about that first one. And he was just so pissed at him for calling him off of it. And it, and that was just emblematic of, I mean, his entire day. I was scared for the, for the patrons on 17 after he hit it in the water. I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, but he just, I mean, when he gets going the wrong way, it is just it, it, anything's in play. Like I, 80s always in play. I love it. Is that terrible? It's great. Okay. No, it's great. I mean, and this is the, I was thinking about, I was actually thinking about this in relation to him. Like he is like, there are guys that you look at and I'm like, why, why don't I care about Keith Mitchell? You know, like, why do I look at John Rahm and I care? And why do I look at Keith Mitchell and I don't care? Wait, you mean I, besides I, that ass? <laughs> Faldo was talking about it. I know. Great. I was so Faldo happy. Stole, yeah, but all right, sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. But yeah, what, what, why do you care about Keith Mitchell? No, I don't care about Keith right. Mitchell. And I do care about John Rahm. And, and, and I, I don't know why. There's just like... Like if you say a name, like you, it's just somebody that you either you do or you don't care about, and and everybody basically has the same ones. And I I think part of it is because they're they're characters. They're like John Rom is more important than his record would suggest that he is. Yes, he's a star. Like he's really good, and that plays into it. But for whatever reason, whether it's personality or the way he, what he represents, where he's from, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the formula is, but he is certainly one of those handful of characters that he's more important than his golf would suggest that he is i think which that, is great yeah no i mean i think that john rom because he is the the reason that he's different is because we don't get the younger european stars and this is a working theory i'd be i'd be curious to know if you agree or how you would amend it i believe that John Rahm and young European stars, Tommy Fleetwood is playing partner today, also included in this. When they get introduced to the American audience and to the PGA Tour at a younger age, we we latch on to them because so many of the younger stars that are American, we've seen them through the juniors or heard about them through the juniors. We've seen them in the NCAAs or heard about them through the college golf scene. And so uh, there is... When Jordan Spieth has his breakthrough, a little bit of you know people pointing all the way down the line. Just Thomas, the same thing. And so for John Rahm, because we're just not uh, anywhere close to his development or his you know the that that fifteen to to twenty one kind of time frame where obviously human bodies develop in major major ways, but also your golf game changes as your body does. I think that because they they arrive into our conversation. Uh, outside of that, then we're going to be more drawn to it. I do, I do think that that's something that we get specifically with, and maybe not just Europeans, but also just anyone who's not from the junior or the NCAA or the American golf circuit. 
it, it just in terms of like this is this is an in, this is intriguing because I don't. It's almost like the NBA draft where it's like, oh, this didn't he just play hard. one year at Arizona State or did he do more? Uh, I think it was one. It was not enough to make a dent on the NCAA golf scene, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was. Uh, I don't remember. I th- I mean, I think he was. No, he was there for longer than that because he had that T five at the Phoenix Open when he was still in the college. Okay. I don't make uh, working theory. I that's that's what I wanted to pitch. <laughs> well, I told you it was a working theory. That's why I wanted to pitch it at you. Just the idea that when we have a young star that we hadn't already sort of been talking about, then we're just going to latch onto it and be more excited. Yeah, I think part of it is like the like if 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 John Rom was like Danish, would we care as much? I. I I think there's something there with like the history of, and this isn't the case with all the guys that are important, but oh, the Sevi Sergio line, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you're like, oh, he's, I, I get it. Like he's the next whatever, even though he's not and doesn't play like those guys at all. Uh, you just you can kind of put him in this category. You're like, okay, well, I got the hot headed Spaniard over here. And then we got the you know world class English ball striker over here in Justin Rowe. Like I don't know. Like it, it's just easy to kind of create all these characters in this little play that that's kind of unfolding in front of you. And I and I think that I think he kind of fits in there pretty pretty nicely. What about uh, okay? So so what else from the front? We got Rory Furick, DJ Sned's had a pretty good week. Fleetwood. And you got to scroll way, way down before you get to Tiger Woods. Yeah. I mean, by the way, it feels like Tiger hit that ball in the water on 17 like six weeks ago. The one on Saturday? Uh, it was on Friday. Oh, really? So he, hits it, he hits it in the water on, on tee shot on 17 in the water, drops it in the water, makes the seven. And here's the thing, Chip. That was an easy Wait, wait, wait. Thing. He made a seven? Yeah. On Friday? On Friday, yeah. Oh dear! On after having no bogeys the entire round. Oh my goodness! Oh my god! Yeah, he he was, had five birdies and no. What happened? I it was it was uh, it was horrendous. Holy cow! Yeah, it was so bad. So, and the thing about it was that that wasn't that wasn't a hard pin. There were no triples on that hole that day. I think there were like two doubles, and then a quad. Mm. it's 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 two in the water and like you know you look at his numbers and this is where this is where stats can kind of be like wonky so he loses like five strokes to the field on approach shots and like wow tiger hit it terribly this week but the reality is that he lost four of those on 17 on friday so like (laughs) those two shots and then he lost another one and a half when he hit it in the water on 16 on sunday and so, like, I'm watching all week, and I, and I and I look at his stats. I'm like, I don't feel like he hit it badly. And then you look it up, and you're like, oh, well, he lost like five and a half strokes to the field on two holes out of seventy two. So, TPC Sawgrass jacks up strokes gained. Oh yeah, especially yeah. like those last few holes. Yeah, uh, because you can make a. I mean that, and that's the thing that people. This is cliche. People talk about it. You can kind of make anything on 16, 17, and 18. You know? Like, I mean, 18, 18 is, did you see Furyk standing on the plank on Saturday? No, I didn't. So, so his, his ball on Saturday, his tee shot, he hits this like uh, 
kind of kind of hooking. That's not I guess good. It was, Hooking, I guess it was hooking's draw. not what you want to hear. Oh, it, it was more hooking than drawing. Right. And uh, it hits the wood. It hits the the uh, what bulkhead, and somehow like just rides the the side like the the rough on the side of the bulkhead. Like, oh my for goodness. Twenty more yards. Oh my goodness. And he uh, he had to stand on the bulkhead to hit it. And for a while, it looked like he was gonna he was gonna try to like hit a full shot up to the green because I mean he could have theoretically, and people were like, "Is he gonna like hit it and fall backwards into the water?" <laughs> and Sean Zock of Golf.com sent a tweet that said, "Can you imagine coming up for <laughs> the putt? Up, coming up after you fall in yeah. up to the." up to the the bank and and saying and looking at fluff and saying am i on the green <laughs> was it was it close <laughs> and fluff being like no mate it's in the bunker <laughs> i was crying but he ends up just like pitching it out and, and make, taking a five or whatever right but that shot on 18 dude i i mean i hit that if i'm like in the top 50 on the leaderboard, I hit it in the, I, I pull hook it into the water like 15 out of 10 times. I mean, <laughs> I'm including the five like second shots that I hit into the water also. Right, right, right. It's so, it's such a hard shot. I mean, it, it specifically, like that shot specifically fits one of my worst weaknesses and it gets exposed oftentimes, very, very often with water. But I mean, I'm, it's even bad for uh, for me with road holes. Mm. If I've got a road running along or a highway running alongside on the left side, I'm taking a windshield out, Kyle. <laughs> I I hit the side of the same building twice in the mountains, like just <laughs> ripping hooks because of uh, so, just a weird pull that'll happen in that visual setting. Yeah, no, well, I put them and- all in the water. And that's why I thought so. So uh, Kevin, I'm hitting a seven there. iron off the tee on 18 <laughs> at Sawgrass. <laughs> so Kevin Van Valkenburg did this thing earlier in the week about the most stressful shots on the PGA Tour, and obviously it kind of fits in with 17. Sure. But I thought one of the most interesting quotes was from Rory, and he said, "He said I'm like a hundred times more. I don't know if he said these exact words, but he said I'm way more scared of." the 18 T shot than I am 17. And I was like, well, surely this won't come into play late on Sunday with, <laughs> you know, the solo lead. And I was, I was thinking about that quote as he was walking from 17 green to 18 T. And then obviously he just, just absolutely just obliterates the drive on 18. Um, but that, yeah, that was a, I, I don't know the drive on 18. It felt like a, like a real moment. It did. But, and now, not like I'm, you know, it's not like winning a major or whatever, but it felt like, and I, and I don't, I don't know. I don't get too caught up in the, like putting the de- the demons to rest, you know, all that garbage. But I, I do think there was a sense of like, I've got a one stroke lead. Uh, I haven't won a, a big one in a while and I really need this shot. And it wasn't like he didn't pull three wood. He didn't like flip an iron out there. He said, you know what, I'm the best freaking driver in the world. And then he just roasted it and that was it. And that that's a I don't know. That that to me is a real thing. Like that 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 mattered to me. And I'll be thinking about that um, 
you know, or he'll, and I'm sure he'll be thinking about that if, if he's in contention at Augusta. So since Rory turned a corner, does that mean that Virginia is going to be all right in the NCAA tournament? <laughs> I had them at, what was it at 3:41 PM when I thought Rory went at, like, just from watching the front <laughs> nine, when I thought that Rory was going to fall apart. And I asked you if I, if Rory was going to ever win another major and you joked, what if he never wins another tournament? I was all ready to go with Rory McIlroy's Virginia basketball. Incredibly skilled, excellent, like phenomenal by so many different metrics and measures. But yeah, you just can't trust him. You know, I I wonder how much he started thinking about like, like, so he wins his fourth major at 25. I wonder how much he started thinking about history. Because I think when you're 23 and 24 and 25, you're just like, whatever. Like, I'm just like flying private jets and just just toasting the best players in the world just every week. Right. Not every week. But like for the for those guys, it felt like every week. Like, I'm just I'm the man. And you start getting in your late 20s. And I, and I feel like he and we've talked about this a million times. I feel like he's the kind of guy that just starts thinking about like, ah, oh, what if I what if I do get to six before I turn 30? What if I get to 10? You know, and, and he's talked about that before. Like he's said those words. Like he said on the No Lane Up podcast, you know, I'm I'm closer to Arnold Palmer than Jason Day and Dustin Johnson are to me. <laughs> I didn't hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was, or no, he said, no, he didn't say that. He said, if I win, if Jason Day and, he he didn't say their names, but he said if those guys win three more, they get to me. If I win three more, I get to Arnold Palmer. That was what it was. And well, like, po- oh. point being, so you he, are you are thinking about that. yeah. Point being, he knows where he is on the list compared to his peers. But it didn't like this. I guess my my bigger point is it it hasn't felt like he's been thinking about that as much this year. And the result is six starts, nothing outside the top six, a player's win. He's like. Chip, he's like around three in terms of strokes gained per round this year. Well, one of the things that you said, and I think that this was maybe not in the immediate aftermath of Mexico, but as we've been talking about Rory uh, over the last several weeks, you said, what if he wins the players? Can you imagine what the Masters storylines are going to be like? Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, I, that's that's I where did. we're going right now. Rory Slam. Let's go. Yeah. I mean... He he is, will be, and should be the favorite for the Masters. And, like, I mean, the way he's playing right now, and, and that's the thing. Like, sometimes when guys get on these these heaters, you're like, oh, well, this, and a lot of times, like, a win will be the culmination of it, and then they'll kind of drop off. And I said this in Slack on, on Sunday. It felt like he just, like, ran into a win. It didn't feel like... Uh, it just felt like he's he did what he's been doing every week, and a win just happened, and that's sort of how he talked about it afterward. Listen, listen to this quote. He had this on Golf Channel to Todd Lewis. He said, "I think this win is a little bit of validation, knowing that uh, what I've been doing has been the right thing, and I'm on the right path. Maybe with all these close calls, I might have got here last year and been frustrated and tried to push too hard." I'm just trying to let it happen. And the more I can do that, the more I can be patient, basically not let my golf scores define who I am as a person. Sometimes I've had that in my past where I see myself as the golfer and basically the only thing that matters is what I shoot that day. That's not me. That's where perspective is huge. If I go out one day and shoot 74, who cares? I'll go back the next day and try again. Perspective has been a big thing for me. 
I mean, that that's where you start thinking like, this could be problematic because he's better than everybody. <laughs> <laughs> this this could be a big problem, guys. Uh, I mean, the the golf putt. guys, the he golf was- bot is self aware, and now we're all in big trouble. <laughs> that's that's the thing that, and I tweeted this. This is what this is what angers me about. Um, People like people when they talk about when they talk about any of these guys, Rory, DJ, whoever. Oh, drive for show, putt for dough, and it's like no, drive for show and hit just you know four irons from two forty to a foot for dough. Right. Like that's what people don't understand. And again, he finished lower half of the field in putting, and he and he beat the best field of the year. That that's the problematic part. Yeah, because. I don't know. I'll tell you what. I don't think that this is going to be uh, a culmination of success, a win, and a drop off. Not not going to be betting on that. And that, and that was the thing. Like he just he seems like he's just like yeah, you know, I, I won the players because this is just I just went out and played. And now there was like I'm not saying he just you know I, I think I think sometimes I've been critical of somebody like Ricky Fowler for doing that. Like I, th- I think that he was strategic, and I think that he was looking at boards and trying to figure stuff out and hit different shots. Like I think he was like into the rhythm of the event, but I don't think he was like out over his skis like maybe he has been in the past mentally. Sometimes, man, I, I want the Masters to start tomorrow. We've got time. I'm fired up. I like. Were we it. just talking about Tiger? Wait, I, we finish. Do we finish talking about Tiger? Do you want to keep talking about Tiger? Well, I feel like I just went back to Rory because I just wanted to talk about him for like an hour straight. We have spent so many minutes talking about Tiger Woods on this podcast. I think that it's okay <laughs> if we if we venture off. When, when when the story of the weekend in the world of golf is a generationally great player winning the fifth major, and I and I mean that with again the seriousness, not as much of the backhandedness. Like, yeah, it's a story. Don't worry about yeah. it. Yeah. He is uh, yeah. Do you, anything else from the notepad? No. I don't think Eddie Pepperell. That was awesome. It's fun. I'm used to that now. Yeah, he's probably got the the wine's probably flowing for the the uh, Fleetwood jokes about him looking like Jesus were <laughs> the uh I don't know if you saw it, but Solly tweeted that he was gonna start dipping beer cups into the water on seventeen and handing out wine <laughs> to the fans. <laughs> Daggum. That, that killed me. That oh, was no, no, so no. good. Abraham Answer looks more like Jesus than Tommy Fleetwood. <laughs> he he does, which there's a whole like lineage of biblical jokes wrapped up in that. Right. Um Ollie Schneider John's going with the mustache was great. I don't know, man. It was just it was a it was a really I think sometimes when you're locked into these events and you get like kind of a crappy Sunday, the whole thing can feel like a letdown. But the entire week, um, and I think a lot of it had to do, like I just love it when guys like Fleetwood and Rory and Rom and DJ are playing great golf because that's when you, I mean, you just you just see awesome shots all the time, you know? And just shots that you're like, oh, I don't, I mean, the eight iron or the, uh, the the four iron that Rory hit into eight on Saturday mm-hmm. was a joke. I don't know if you've seen it. Go watch it, and it's just it's it's outrageous. It was probably the best shot of the week. 
uh, even though there are, there are three holes in one, which was great. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. Like the point being like, we got an awesome Sunday, which wrapped up, uh, what for me was a really fun week of covering golf. I will, uh, I'll be sure to go check out the Saturday Rory compilation mix because it sounds like there was just an unbelievable bag of tricks there. And, uh, and that'll be part of my preparation for majors. But right now, Kyle, I actually have to go turn in my expert bracket. Do you, do you have any recommendations on who I should pick to win? Uh, not Virginia. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say that Rory turning the corner is going to lead me to all of a sudden picking the Wahoos to do something they haven't done since 1984. Make the, <laughs> they haven't even made the Final Four since 1984. We've got to fill out our, uh, our Dell Technologies WGC match play brackets here. In, I think that's like the official name of the tournament, by the way. Is that this weekend? Here. No, it's to uh, Valspar and then match play. Okay. Well, so it's a weird lead into Augusta, right? So you go Valspar match play, Texas Open. Very strange. Yeah, it's like, uh, it's, see you guys at Augusta. Uh, it's it's odd. I don't know. Well, we'll be breaking it down here on the First Cut Podcast. You can follow him cool. on Twitter at Kyle Porter CBS. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Kyle, thank you very much. Thanks, Chip.